This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. That is one hour down. Two more to play with here on a nice Sunday in New York City. Ty Butler going until 3 o'clock today. At that time, you'll have network coverage carrying you to 6 because then we get Sunday Night Baseball in Baltimore between the Orioles and the Red Sox, the rubber game of a three-game set. So that coverage underway five hours from now right here on 98.7 ESPN. Got a trivia question. I'm going to put you two guys. So Harvey and Tom are producing the show today. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Trivia question. One player in MLB history has played on the winning team in three perfect games. Any idea who said player is? In three perfect games. He has played on the winning team in three perfect games. Oh. See, suspicion leads me to think it could be a Yankee, but I'm th- I think I'm thinking no hitters, not perfect games. But um, I feel like I kn- I'm going to have to think about this one because I do Take a not- shot. It's okay. Take a shot. Harvey, Tom, bo- <laughs> lay it on me. Take a shot. I might perfect be too game. young for this one. Um. <laughs> and, and any player. So just name a player. Don Larson. Don Larson is your is is Harvey's guess. What's your guess, Tom? I know I'm wrong, but I'm gonna say Buster Posey. The answer is Paul O'Neill. <laughs> How about that? Paul O'Neill, the only player to have played on the winning team in three perfect games. He was in right field for the Reds when Tom Browning had his perfect game in '88. He called the final out and. David Wells' perfect game in the 98 season. He made a diving catch in right field and double deep to help the Yankees with David Cohn's perfect game in 99. So three perfect games, all winners for Paul O'Neill. And the reason why it is apropos is because if you are headed to Yankee Stadium, it's Paul O'Neill Day in the Bronx. Uh, uh, a guy who was an instrumental part to the Yankees' dynastic run in the 90s where they won four championships in five years, a five-time All-Star, five-time World Series champion. Uh, And Paul O'Neill, who won a batting title in 94, earned his nickname as the Warrior because of the, the fight and, you know, how he went about playing the game. And he was a very emotional guy. Great moment in Game 5 of the 2001 World Series where the entire ballpark is chanting, you know, Paul O'Neill's name and with anticipation of him retiring. It was a game that they won. They lost the series to the Diamondbacks. Would have loved to have gone out on a high note, but what an accomplished career for Paul O'Neill. Remember he had that that catch in, what was it, Game 5 of the 96 series in the World Series against the Braves to help preserve a one nothing lead. The Yankees go on to win that series. So Paul O'Neill... Uh, one of one of my favorites, getting his number retired at the at the stadium today. So congratulations to him and the family. Should be a fun one. Hopefully the Yan- the Yankees can get back in the win column, because right now, I mean, not looking great, not looking great for the Yankees. They need to get wins, and those wins need to come in a hurry. As you talked about all first hour, an offense is struggling. Doesn't want to see Alec Manoa, Max Scherzer, and Jacob DeGrom in back-to-back-to-back games. (laughs) So would have loved to have that one yesterday. They took an early 1-0 lead, but then Garrett Cole fell apart in the fifth inning, and he's someone being paid to be your ace, to be your stopper, and he just hasn't been able to get it done. So (laughs) it's, it's a struggle right now, to say the least. It's a struggle right now, to say the least. Here was Garrett Cole on yesterday's game. 
We just got to play crisp. I mean, we 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 started off so well. I mean, Aaron made a fantastic play and right on the fly ball from Bichette that like cut change up down and in. Just just an odd odd series of events that made a great play. And Oswaldo made a great play on the foul ball from 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 Bradley. But like you know, it comes down to it comes down to not attacking Jansen in that inning and not. Not getting it out on on a, on a ground ball right back to me. I mean, I think we ended up retiring Guerrero on the throw home anyway, but like just would have had a different feel with two outs there probably. And you know, when you're going well, sometimes you kind of cover those mistakes, and when you're not, you just have to be crisp. So you know, the two options is to either start banging and and throwing up zeros all the time, or you know, when situations like that arise, you just you kind of have you just have to be. I mean, we strive to be perfect, and and we'd like to be perfect, but the reality is we have to be a little bit better there. And the reality is we need our best pitcher to pitch like he is the best pitcher and not be a guy who's going out there and having meltdown innings, not be a guy who's been so iffy, not be a guy who three times this year has given up five or more earned runs. And it's led to us crushing him because we know what happened in Fenway Park last October. Can't have a repeat of that. And it's really tough to help fans increase in confidence when you're struggling the way that at, you know, sometimes this year he had he has so it's a situation that's that's pretty dire in New York and it's so funny I just came across this tweet part of it is trolly but I mean how much of it is unfactual John Heyman puts out after facing their tough NL East rivals 15 times in 18 games the Mets finally get a break and get to the soft part of their schedule when they play tomorrow at Yankee Stadium. Yankees, since August, the start of the month, been one of the worst teams in baseball. Imagine what the team that we saw earlier this season being considered the soft part of an opponent's schedule. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Back to the phone calls we go. We will get to football, but I just want to get to more of your Yankees calls. Roger has been waiting patiently and wants to talk. He's calling us from the Bronx. What's up, Roger? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, I'm just calling. I was going to talk about Boone and Cashman, but I don't need to talk about them. What's happening with them is showing for itself. I don't need to talk about Boone and Cashman. They're both, they are both can both kick rocks. Ooh. I want to go to Garrett Cole. Okay. Let's I want to go to Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, I've had enough of the excuses, had enough of Boone. Oh, he just had that one bad inning, blah, blah, blah. He's not an ace. Plain and simple. You can cut it whichever way. They can tell us whatever they want to tell us. He's not an ace. He's not an ace. You cannot be an ace and continue to have those meltdowns. Max Scherzer is an ace. The Grom, when he's healthy, is an ace. Hell, even Castillo, the guy we should have gotten, is an ace. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander, a league of his own. He's an ace. It's over. There's no discussion. I don't want to hear nothing about Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, to me, as a guy, I respect him because I respect my fellow men. But as a player, I'm going to criticize and I'm going to say straight up, Garrett Cole is pure trash. Michael Kay can come on his show and try to explain to us, the fans, why we should still think he's an ace. Michael K, if you're listening, shut up. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's not, hard for him to listen. He's at Yankee Stadium about to, to call the game. <laughs> Paul, Paul O'Neill Day at the stadium. Hey, come on, Roger. Uh, listen, I, I understand the frustration. I mean, let's not disrespect the, the voice of the station telling him to shut up. But uh, I understand your frustration with Cole 
he just hasn't lived up to the expectations of being three hundred million, right? He's yeah, three hundred and twenty-four million over the course of nine years. The missing piece to a, to a team that desperately needed that ace, and he he has not lived up to the expectations. So I can't argue with that point. Trash, pure trash. Thank you for picking up my call. Appreciate the call, Roger. Thank you for making it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could call him trash. He's he's he's, he's a a really good pitcher. It's just when you measure him up to the elite in the game and, again, the expectation associated with the dollar amount he's being given, it's it's hard to call him anything short of someone who has drastically fallen short, someone who has been a little bit of a disappointment. And quick correction, thank you to Craig who pointed this out on Twitter. So Sunday Night Baseball is actually not at Camden Yard tonight. It's in Williamsport, uh, the Little League World Series game. So... Uh, I mentioned Yankees, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I mentioned Orioles, Red Sox, the finale of that three-game set. You can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN at 6. Uh, it's not in Baltimore. It's in Williamsport at the Little League World Series game. So appreciate the correction from Craig on Twitter. Mike in New Jersey wants to chime in. What's up, Mike? Hey, Ty. How you doing? Do, uh, I got my uh, five-and-two-year-old five in the car, so if there's a little oh! noise, that's them. All right, that's <laughs> All right. Nice. Shout out to the five and the two year old. Yeah, uh, I, I was just calling for you know for uh, one reason with Spike's call, you know when he said that, you know they they have two they have too many stars on the team, but prior to that you know at the begin before the season started all of the all of us Yankees fans were saying how bad a job Cashman did in the off season with his acquisitions and you know moves he didn't make, and then when the season was going great and they were playing above their cards or getting, you know, those walk-off home runs, and they had the, you know, the full bullpen. Everyone was throwing flowers at his feet, how he did a great job. And now it's it's just coming to fruition. I mean, everyone knew IKF can't hit. Everyone knew the catcher was going to be an automatic out. Everybody knew Knicks was not going to live up to what he was supposed to unless he had a great year, which he was playing kind of decent in the beginning. Donaldson, who actually that's the said that they have a fiery guy was supposed to be him, but he can't do it when he's not hitting. Has fallen off, fallen off. They were hoping he'd have a great season. Yeah, then he had that but controversy with Tim Anderson and, and you know yeah. the manager and, and, but, and Judge didn't like it, so there was some friction early in the season already. Yeah, but but you know, so Spike says they have the stars on the team to do it. Like, who do they have? I mean, go up and down the lineup. Like, well, Mayhew's not playing how he how he was prior to that signing that contract. You know, uh, first base, Lemayhu. Second base, uh, oh, Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, he's, he's a... Rizzo's playing okay. He was playing great in the beginning of the season when they were winning. Awesome. Yeah, but, but he's, he's still he's still issue. nearing thirty home runs, and yeah, that the, I I, yeah. I would imagine the back issue um, is what's led to him struggling as of late. But he did have uh, my, uh, that my, big my, that big hit the I other agree. day. Go ahead. My my point is. We all knew Cashman did a horrible job in the in the in the uh, off season. We all predicted this, and now it's like a surprise. We all knew. I mean, there's injuries in the bullpen, but he did nothing to correct it. He didn't want to go after a shortstop. You know, he wanted to you know make up for catcher. I mean, we knew there was not enough hitting in this lineup, so it's just all coming to fruition. So when Spike's like, "Oh, it's you know it's a little down," you know, I have too many stars on the team. Name a star besides Aaron Judge. I mean, and Car- and Stan. We all knew he was going to get injured at some point, but they have no one else in the lineup to protect Judge. So it's just it's it's an atrocious job by Cashman, which we all said in the offseason. Then 
everybody wanted to throw roses at his feet when they were doing so great and playing above the back of their cards. And now, you know, this is what we knew was going to happen. So for this to happen, not this bad, but we knew he didn't do enough in the off season. He always, you know, he tries to be too smart. Like the guy said before, it's, you know, with the, he made a great thing with, uh, you know, kingdoms or whatever, don't want to admit failure. I mean, Cashman's too stubborn or Steinbrenner is. Either way, they didn't do enough. We knew they didn't do enough. We were fooled in the beginning. You know, and now it's come to the roosters come to whatever they say, eat or whatever, the rope, you know. <laughs> the chickens so have it, come just, to roost. You know, the chickens, yeah, the chickens have come to roost. I, I, so like, we knew Cashman did a bad job. So that's my point. You know, like, when Spike's on next time, just say, Spike, what are the stars they, they have that we can depend on? I mean, there's I, nobody in there except Judge. I hear you, and I appreciate the phone call, Mike. The, I guess the argument the other way would just be you go and, and look at the rest of the team, and, you know, Stanton is protection for Judge. Stanton is a star. DJ LeMayhew, they signed him because they thought he was a star. Anthony Rizzo, nearing, you know, 30 home runs on the season. He he is a star on this team. Gleyber Torres is on his way to a 20-home-run season. He, in theory, definitely has the talent. He, he's been in a slump as of late, and he did have that game where he hit the two-run shot and, and helped them beat the Rays the other night. But, you know, Gleyber Torres is a guy who you would consider to be a star. And then Trevino. Like, he, Trevino was literally an all-star this year. Matt Carpenter has come in here and, and, and surprisingly done some things to help this Yankee team. And then he traded for Andrew Benintendi, who didn't come in here as a power threat, but someone who was going to hit for average. And to the point where now you know he, he had been batting leadoff. So the lineup, I think, when healthy, has enough talent to win and score runs. We, we quite literally saw that the first half of the season when they had the best offense in all of baseball. And it wasn't just about the home run ball. They were, they were scoring runs at the highest clip in all of the sport. But unfortunately, it's just falling apart as of late. Bob's in Arizona wants to talk. What's up, Bob? Oh, hey, Ty. Hey, um, I'm calling in. Uh, you know, the Yankees, the demise of the Yankees, I think, I mean, everybody can agree, it's just multifactorial. But I, I just get so weary at this point of everyone, including yourself, just like – thinking, seeing Derek, Derek Cole is a legitimate number one. I mean, I think we talk about sample size. He's had ample sample size. His, not, his, his big contract was based on a, on a career that was, where he was utilizing that tacky substance. His spin rate is not no longer the same. He is what he is. I think we have to accept the fact that this guy, I mean, he's a good, he's a good pitcher. He's got a great fastball. It's flat sometimes. It's predictable. And people tee off on him eventually. You, I mean, if you compare him to a true, true competitive, if you want to classify as bulldog, Matt Scherzer. Matt Scherzer doesn't have the, doesn't have like the 100 plus fastball, but he has that gutty, gritty, competitive edge that he figures out a way. When even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's gonna beat you. You know. I get it. Derek Cole I... has not done that. And I think what part of the Yankees figuring it out is they got to look at the mirror and say, look, he is what he is. He's a good pitcher, but he ain't a number one. He ain't taking the – he's not going to match up well in the World Series, seven games, if you throw him out there three times. He's going to get lit up, just like he did the first time when he went to Boston, you know? 
what I, I understand being down on on Cole. Uh, I I I wouldn't go as far as to call him trash like one of the previous callers said. I mean, this is a guy who clearly is not the same pitcher he was in, in Houston, and the correlation has to be the the sticky stuff. But the reason why Yankee fans still view him as the ace is because look at his resume. He finished second in Cy Young last season, which was the fifth time in his career he's finished top five in that category. And he is a five-time All-Star. Like he's When he's at the top of his game, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. We just haven't seen it consistently enough. Uh, we will get back to your phone calls, transition to football as well. This Brady story potentially, you know, going to the Raiders. I mean, if 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 first of all, if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm annoyed by that story. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'm annoyed by this story as well because there's just so much noise following Brady. It feels like Zach Wilson. Anita said something on her show today about um about the Jets and Giants that I, I want to piggyback on. She said something that I disagree with, so we'll talk about that as well. But we're going until 3 o'clock today. Hit me on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, on Instagram as well, 800-919-3776. We return in a moment right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Paul O'Neill on my television screen. Wish I could hear what he was saying, uh, but he's got... I see Tino, Bernie, Jorge, Pettit, Mariano Rivera. Looks like Hal Steinbrenner's on the field. Paul O'Neill Day at the stadium as he's getting his number 21 retired. Ready has a plaque in Monument Park getting his jersey retired. Four championships in five years. A, a crucial part of that dynastic run. So congratulations to one Paul O'Neill. Tony in New Jersey. What's up, Tony? Hey, how's it going? I was just uh, wondering what's your take on do you think Aaron Boone survives the season if this continues with his lo- with the losing of the, the way the Yankees have been playing? I will say there, 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 I would say the percent of him being fired this season. Ready? Mm-hmm. Roughly roughly zero. Really? Zero. They just they just signed him to an extension this past off season. The Yankees yep. still 25 games of, uh, above 500. They're struggling. Even if they collapse, and, and they, it, somehow they blow this, what was a 15-and-a-half game lead, is now down to sixth in the loss column. Even if they blow the division and right. they make it as a wild card, it's not like they're going to miss the playoffs. So they'll still be a playoff team regardless of how they get there. There's no chance he's getting right. fired. Like that, that, That's ridiculous. Really? Well, I mean, look, I mean, look, if you remember, what, three years ago, the same thing happened. They had a nine-game lead in August, and they ended up being the, you know, the playoff game. And, you know, they say, oh, well, we made the playoffs. Yeah, but you had a nine-game lead in August. Yeah. So this would be like the second year or the two out of the last three years that this has happened. You know, if I think if George Timer was still around, there's no way he would allow this to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, he's, school, 50, you know. but he's not around anymore, Tony. It's right. it's it's a different it's a different energy, in, in as as far as the brain trust is concerned. Right, and I, I like that you said different energy. You know, this is the longest the Yankees have ever gone without having a captain. You know, uh, they, they they you were just talking about Paul O'Neill getting his uh, number retired. Uh, you know, they waited for him to retire in two thousand and two to before they named Jeter the captain. I kind of thought they were going to do the same thing now that Gardner had retired, 
you know, you make Aaron Judge the captain. Well, that, it's, that, it, it would have been tough. To it would have been tough to make Judge the captain when he isn't guaranteed to be on this team past this season. Right. I think that if he does sign that lucrative extension and he he becomes a a a longtime Yankee, I think that at some point over the course of that contract, he will get the the, the captain title. So would you agree that if he doesn't and he goes elsewhere, it's very possible that the next captain of the New York Yankees isn't even on the team yet? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's so, crazy to think about. You know, I mean, who do you who do you who do you make? <laughs> you know, so it's going to go the longest time now. Granted, do I really think uh, you know that's the reason why they have they've only had one championship in the last twenty one years? No, but you know, if you're looking for a leader like Gina did or, or, or Don Malley was, you know. Not saying that they're going to have any control over the players and have them play better or, or whatever, but you know, it just seems like that could be a you know a, a focal point as to to rally the troops and say, guys, man, we gotta, you know, have they even had like a closed door meeting with players yet that we they as did the media a couple or the fans know of a couple uh, a couple weeks ago they did have a closed door it was like a players only meeting. But uh, Tony, right. I appreciate the call. I hear your point about the the Yankees having. I, I don't know if, if the captain matters, but just having a guy who you consider to be a leader in the clubhouse hold guys accountable. But it has to be someone with cachet. It has to be someone who's productive. It has to be someone who's respected. It can't be just a, a rando like Aaron Judge. In theory, has to be that guy. I don't know that he is or isn't. Like I'm not in the locker room, so I think it would be unfair to say that like, he hasn't done that. But I mean, you're the second caller today who's brought up the Yankees not having that 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 leader. You know, when when things start falling apart, someone who's going to stand up there and start, you know, not punching people in the face, but making sure messages are clear and heard. Not Leon Edwards, you know, kicking someone, knocking them out last night like you did Usman, but. Here's the, the the standard in 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 Yankee Nation, Yankeeville. Here's the standard for this organization. We can't allow this to take place on our watch. JoJo's in Nutley. What's up, JoJo? Hey, how you doing, Ty? Uh, shout out to the company and congrats on your uh, radio success. Um, Thank you, man. Quick, quick, um, quick, just thing. I just really don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why the the Yankee fans are freaking out. I get it, hundred percent. But we always complain about what the team looks like in October. We always complain that we're not ready. I'm telling you, give them faith, give them a chance. I'm telling you that this is a rough go around right now. Harrison Bader is a stellar player. I really hope that he gets out of this walking boot sooner than later because we do need a spark. I do think that we're playing rough right now, and it is ugly, but maybe this is something we need so we're not that 160, you know, 100-win team and then losing the playoffs. Maybe we will make a little bit of a run because Cashman is getting ready for the playoffs. This is the first time I've ever seen them in this debacle, but I I don't know. I still have faith. Maybe I'm I'm nuts. No, you're not. You're not. You're not nuts. I appreciate that it's taken us an hour and a half into the show to get our first caller who is spewing some positivity. I don't think you're nuts. Like, 
I don't want this to be misconstrued. I, I, I'm acknowledging that there's a lot that is going wrong with this team, and they're, they're simply a, a disaster right now. They're one of the worst teams in baseball in August, and I gave you all the numbers to reflect that. And when the manager, who is typically calm and collected, comes out there and he's banging tables, shows me that there's some pressure that he's feeling, and he understands that this team not just needs to play better, but there, there are some serious corrections that need to be made in order for us, and I'm talking for Boone, to, to get to our ultimate goal of contending for a championship. So I don't think you're crazy as far as being um, someone who's positive and still optimistic because I still feel the same way that if they're healthy and you you get your guys Stanton, Carpenter, and Severino, you get your, your most important players back into the lineup and into the rotation, you can still be a dangerous team. And we can see something closer to what we saw in the first half of the season. When we come back, we're going to talk some football. And this Brady story I, I, I came across uh, last night. Uh, Dana White had had some revelation about you know Brady potentially playing for a different team. So we'll talk about that. And then also come closer to home, Giants preseason action. Tonight against the Bengals, still no word on if they're going to play their starters, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, because their offensive line is so banged up. So if you're Brian Dable, you run the risk of these guys getting injured in, in meaningless preseason games. So we'll talk about that, about that as well. The Jets, meanwhile, tomorrow night on ESPN will play their Week 2 matchup in the preseason. And it's it's a game that now against the Falcons, I mean, kind of would have been excited about just to watch Zach Wilson, but with Joe Flacco now the quarterback, I mean, what what are we really watching in the preseason? But Anita said something uh, about the Jets that I really disagree with, and we'll talk about that coming up next. Ty Butler going until three o'clock, eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Ty D Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 98.7 ESPN. I am watching Paul O'Neill, who's about to throw out the first pitch. Tom, you feel good about this first pitch? You're a Yankee fan. You feel good about this first pitch? So Jorge's the catcher, which is great. Love this moment. You feel good about what's about to happen here? Does he throw a strike? You know, I'm certainly going to hope so. I mean, O'Neal, I'm hoping he's been practicing for this moment for a while now. <laughs> but I think I, he's throwing a strike here. What do you got, Harvey? Strike or no? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, so it's about to happen. I don't care how much you practice. You've got 40,000 fans there. It's your day. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough one. So uh, he's about to throw first pitch. But it's not from the mound, though, is it? Uh, it looks like he's a little ahead of the mound, which, come on, Paulie. What are we doing, man? Come on, man. Come on, my G. You got you got to throw it off the mound. You know, maybe they're having some of the, like, festivities on the mound, so maybe I'll I'll, I'll give them a pass because they had all that I stuff get on it. the field. But still, if, if, I'm, if I'm the warrior, I say no. Uh, and it looks like, what's the, did it clip the outside corner? I think it was in the left-handed batter's box a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to clip the outside corner to make us feel better about what we just saw. But from the, the angle the Yes Network just gave us, 
Uh, it looked like it, it might have missed a little bit outside. But Paul O'Neill, <laughs> congratulations to him. Him and uh, Posada now ch- chopping it up on the field, getting the picture. So what a beautiful moment at Yankee Stadium. Congratulations to the Warrior. The Dana White audio I teased, uh, he revealed something last night on that UFC 278 coverage uh, on ESPN+. Plus. It was the Leon Edwards-Kamaro Usman card where Edwards pulled off the upset. But did get some football news from the unlikeliest of sources. So let's hear Dana White talking about Brady and Gronk potentially going to a different team before they went to Tampa Bay. I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And all hell broke loose, man. It it was crazy. And and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. Which is is so – it's insane to think about that. And I I didn't watch – this live, I, I saw, I went on Twitter and saw that this had happened, but my immediate reaction to this was, wait, how is Dana White putting NFL deals together? How does that happen? The president of the UFC is now getting involved in, in getting free agents to sign with teams. A deal he said he put together, had it put together, but John Gruden said, nah. And then you think about when Brady was on the shop with, I want to say it was Kid Cudi, Maverick Carter, I forget who all, Draymond Green was on this episode, and they were talking about him going to Tampa and like the recruiting process and other teams being involved, and he said something like there was a team who last minute decided that they didn't want him anymore, and then he's like, really? With your quarterback? And I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you want to keep that guy? And Brady then says, you know, I never wanted to go there anyway, but that's the guy you want to keep over me? So after this audio comes out, the the immediate assumption is Brady was talking about Derek Carr. And I I don't think Derek Carr is a a bad quote. You could certainly do a lot worse than Derek Carr. He's no Brady, of course, and if you're the Raiders, I mean, it's got to make you sick that if this story is true— and you could have had Brady as your quarterback. But Gruden, who was your head coach at the time and pretty much making all football decisions, said no. If I'm a Raiders fan, I would be beside myself right now, especially considering the fallout with what, everything that happened with Gruden. Brady goes to Tampa Bay, wins a Super Bowl. But that's that's crazy. It, it just feels like, though, Brady, there's always some noise. So Bowles, according uh, to reports today, uh, Bowles is saying, Schefter just tweeted this out an hour ago, Bucks quarterback Tom Brady expected to return to the team per his source very shortly. Brady left the team earlier this month for personal reasons. Now, we had conspiracy theories that he was filming some show called The Masked Singer because, you know, obviously he signed to Fox after he retires, he's going to be a broadcaster, but he was secretly filming a show, but he just disappeared. And this is the, the longest time he's been away from an NFL team in his career. Like, this has never happened before. 
And if I'm Bowles, my first year as the head coach, I would love to have my quarterback here. Like, I know preseason probably doesn't matter for for Brady, but it does for Bowles in his first year. It does for the team chemistry and synergy aspect of it. So to have your, your quarterback just not be there, we, personal reasons was all we heard. So we don't really know what the personal reasons were, but it just feels like there's always something going on with Brady. Like this, His career it just keeps getting more and more interesting. About a month or two ago, we had the story come out with the Dolphins, with Stephen Ross being fine draft picks you know, for you know, looking to, to court Brady and, and Peyton to, to Miami when, he, when those guys were still on the contracts. So they were fine draft picks. And we had that story about Brady potentially wanting to become an owner or a part owner of the Dolphins, maybe playing quarterback there. So we're just there's always some 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 mess going on with Brady. Now the Bucks got you a Super Bowl, so he doesn't really owe you anything. But man, you keep hearing about this flirtation with other teams. A lot of distractions going on in, in Tampa Bay. Now we could get here three months from now, four months from now, and it didn't mean anything. But it's definitely something to pay attention to, just as far as like how it's going to affect the team. Bruce Arians now gone, and that was after Brady had retired and unretired, and then all of the stories I just mentioned following him over the course of the offseason, and he just hasn't been there. So he'll show up pretty soon per Schefter, and maybe we'll forget about this, but it's just so much going on. That, that Raider story is just so fascinating to me. So wanted to play that audio. Dana White putting together NFL deals. <laughs> that 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 that's something, huh? That's something. Let's go to Noel in the car. He wants to chime in on the Jets. What's up, Noel? Hey, Ty. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your success. Thank you, bro. Uh, I've been. You're welcome. I've been an avid uh, Jets fan for a long time, uh, and I've seen you know some of the good times. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say we're great because we never won the chip, but ultimately some positive times. And I see Zach Wilson coming in. I, w- I was also a collegiate athlete and um, in football. And I, I don't think Zach Wilson has earned anything yet. He's kind of been appointed uh, this quarterback of the future. And I'm from the old school where you come in, you sit, you learn, or you go out and take the position. He's done neither. right? And there's two sides to this dichotomy, to this coin right here. The second side of this, what about the maturation of our other players, the rookies, the tight ends that we, we got, you know, Brees Hall, uh, it, uh, the, the receiving core. I mean, what about their maturation, right? They, they deserve a competent quarterback. So, you know, like I said, um, uh, I think Spike, he has the same sentiment and shares it with me as well. Let the kids sit, let them see it, let everything slow down, let them earn it, but don't rush to bring back – Wilson, if I, I think Flacco's going to go two and two in, uh, in the first four games, uh, or or better, from what I'm hearing at camp, he has the, the first team humming at camp, and they look really good. So that's all I wanted to say. Wanted to get your feedback on that, and again, you know, continued success to you and your family, man. I appreciate the call, man. I appreciate the love as well. Uh, very kind of you to say that, which is why it makes it so hard for me. Uh, and difficult to have to do this. I vehemently disagree with you and about everything that you just said. So let's take a break. We'll come back and, and address 
the, the, the Zach Wilson noise because Anita also said that on her show earlier. And I love Anita. She does an excellent job. But this idea that they shouldn't rush him back because, you know, you want to allow Joe Flacco to flourish. Crazy. We'll talk about that when we get back. Ty Butler going until 3 o'clock today on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So follow this under things that aren't great. Lindsay Adler tweeted this out. It's not just the players and manager who are hearing it. She obviously covers the Yankees. She says, How Steinbrenner got booed by the Yankee Stadium crowd while walking out to present Paul O'Neill with a very nice framed replica of his Monument Park plaque and pinstriped number. So Hal Steinbrenner's at Yankee Stadium getting booed. I don't agree with that. That is, I mean, look, they've got the third highest payroll in all of baseball. So I guess it becomes an interesting conversation of who you who you blame more for what's going on. Is it Hal or is it Cashman? But I guess if you blame Cashman more, it also means you still blame Hal because Hal's the one who employs Cashman. But booing him at Yankee Stadium, that is, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. All right, before we get back to your phone calls, something's happening here that just simply does not make sense to me. And it's, it's, it's the lunacy that exists with regard to how we talk about Zach Wilson. And I understand we are, we're reactionary just because it's what we do and we need something to talk about every day. But if if Zach Wilson if, if Zach Wilson is already being written off, then it it means you never bought into him anyway. Because I find it hard to believe that thirteen games into his NFL career, after in a season where he, he dealt with injuries, like we could sit here and say, you know what, not the answer. Where Brady Quinn the other day is talking about how like he doesn't understand the media's fascination with him, and they're propping him up because they desperately want him to be good. Well, that doesn't make any sense because most people in the media are picking the Jets to be one of the worst teams in football again, which would be tough to do with a quarterback who's excelling. So if you're low on the Jets, it also means you don't think Zach Wilson is just going to be this tremendous quarterback this year. So those two things don't really make sense. But the caller just alluded to, like they they shouldn't rush him back. Now I understand from a physical standpoint, if he's not healthy, then no, you don't want him out there. But as soon as he's clear to play football, as soon as he's clear to go back out there and, and and perform, he immediately has to become your starting quarterback. And I was listening to Anita driving in, and she says she's like she would already cement it, regardless of what the the timeline is for his for Zach's recovery. Flacco starting the first four weeks. Because she believes he could at the very least go two and two. And part of it is Flacco is very familiar with that division. Here's the problem. Flacco hasn't been in that division in four years. And he was kicked out of it because he just wasn't good. He was cooked. And Lamar Jackson replaced him. He's also lost 14 of his last 16 games as a starter. He was also a guy who Elway brought in in Denver to be the answer at quarterback because everything around them was was pretty good, and Flacco stunk. So this idea that Joe Flacco could be the answer for the Jets, at least in the short term, 
It's not registering with me. When Zach Wilson is clear to play, he's the starting quarterback. You need as, as much of a sample size as possible to evaluate this guy. He went 3-10 and 10 last year. Through the first six games, didn't look good. Last, last seven games, looked better. I believe it was nine total touchdowns to just two picks in his last seven games last season. So he was trending in the right direction. Preseason game one, first drive, interception. Not great. Second drive, injury. Even worse. Thought we might have lost him for the season, but we avoided that. And now it's a bone bruise, and he, he had an MCL uh, procedure done, and he's slated to come back. But as soon as he's cleared to play and he can be out there, he's your quarterback. This is a guy you invested the number two overall pick in. He, you have to evaluate him. And you can't do it just on 13 games last year. Now, the early returns were not good for Zach Wilson. I'll be the first to say that. But we need a season-long evaluation or as close to it as possible, assuming he can come back in week two. We need to evaluate him. And it's going to be a tough schedule, especially when you're a bad team. Every schedule is tough for bad teams. You got the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers, right off the bat. The Browns, right off the bat. You're playing the Packers. You're playing the Bills, the Dolphins. Like it's 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 not going to be easy. But you need him to be out there. What are we protecting him from? If it's not about the injury, then he has to be the quarterback. You can't protect him from just the potential of him to be bad, or you to start out 0 and 4. Which, by the way, the, the the last three years, the Jets have started out 0-3. You're drawing dead to be a playoff team if you're starting your season that way. Haven't won a game in September in four years since Darnold's debut in Detroit. So you're fighting the demons of, of, of the past, of, of organizational malpractice, and you're trying to correct that by bringing in a guy in like Zach Wilson, who's your, who you think is your franchise quarterback. But you need to have that answered, and it needs to be answered this season. Ben's in Long Island. What's up, Ben? What's going on, man? I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, no doubt. What's uh, up? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think the problem is a lot of Jets fans are so eager to see halfway decent quarterback play. And now you're hearing reports that Joe Flacco, I think you said it earlier, has the offense humming. And it's all good when you do it against the Falcons, who – are granted are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Uh, but I think people are, ten- are starting to forget just because you've seen Zach Wilson throw a quick little interception in this first preseason game. He was stacking good practice after good practice, uh, and he just happened that he got hurt. I know he's missing these valuable reps now, which is going to hurt him, but you said it perfectly. You drafted him second overall. You drafted a wide receiver at 10. Uh to see what you have in Zach Wilson. You got an all-pro in Lincoln Thomason to see what you have in Zach Wilson. It's all about Zach Wilson this year. You can ride Flacco's hot hand, God forbid, whatever, and you can have a Fitzpatrick-type year, and then what happens next year? You suck again. Yeah, so this it's is not about building happen. to the future. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, I, yeah, appreciate I, I think people are just so too caught up in that and uh, it's not fair you got to see what Zach Wilson's about this year that's the most important thing I completely agree and appreciate the phone call Ben 